be sure to follow Send Me to Sleep on your preferred podcast player so you never miss an episode and a good night's rest. Good evening. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 19 to 21 of Heidi by Joanna Speary. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 19 Winter Still Continues Peter arrived punctually at school next day. He had brought his lunch with him in a bag, for all the children that came from far away ate in school while the others went home. In the evening, Peter as usual paid his visit to Heidi. The minute he opened the door, she ran up to him, saying, Peter, I have something to tell you. Say it, he replied. You must learn to read now, said the child. I have already done it. Yes, yes, Peter, but I don't mean it that way, Heidi eagerly proceeded. You must learn so that you really know how afterwards. I can't, Peter remarked. Nobody believes you about that anymore, and I won't either, Heidi said resolutely. When I was in Frankfurt, Grandmama told me that it wasn't true and that I shouldn't believe you. Peter's astonishment was great. I'll teach you, for I know how. When you have learnt it, you must read one or two songs to Grandmother every day. I shan't, grumbled the boy. This obstinate refusal made Heidi very angry. With flaming eyes, she planted herself before the boy and said, I'll tell you what will happen if you don't want to learn. Your mother has often said that she'll send you to Frankfurt. Clara showed me the terrible, large boys' school there, where you'll have to go. You must stay there till you're a man, Peter. You mustn't think that there is only one teacher there, and such a kind one as we have here. No, indeed. There are whole rows of them, and when they are out walking, they have high black hats on their heads. I saw them myself when I was out driving. Cold shivers ran down Peter's back. Yes, you'll have to go there, and when they find out that you can't read or even spell, 
they'll laugh at you. I'll do it, said Peter, half angry and half frightened. Oh, I am glad. Let us start right away, said Heidi joyfully, pulling Peter over to the table. Among the things that Clara had sent, Heidi had found a little book with the ABC and some rhymes. She had chosen this for the lesson. Peter, having to spell the first rhyme, found great difficulty, so Heidi said, I'll read it to you, and then you'll be able to do it better. Listen. If ABC you do not know, before the school board you must go. I won't go, said Peter, stubbornly. Where? Before the court. Hurry up and learn the three letters, then you won't have to. Peter, beginning again, repeated the three letters till Heidi said, Now you know them. Having observed the good result of the first rhyme, she began to read again. D-E-F, you then must read, or of misfortune take good heed. If H-I-J-K are forgot, adversity is on the spot. Who over L and M doth stumble, must pay a penance and feel humble. There's trouble coming, if you knew, you'd quickly learn N-O-P-Q. If still you halt on R-S-T, you suffer for it speedily. Heidi, stopping, looked at Peter, who was so frightened by all these threats and mysterious horrors that he sat as still as a mouse. Heidi's tender heart was touched, and she said comfortingly, Don't be afraid, Peter. If you come to me every day, you'll soon learn all the letters, and then those things won't happen. But come every day, even when it snows. Promise. Peter did so, and departed. Obeying Heidi's instructions, he came daily to her for his lessons. Sometimes the grandfather would sit in the room, smoking his pipe. Often the corners of his mouth would twitch as if he could hardly keep from laughing. He generally invited Peter to stay for supper afterwards, which liberally rewarded the boy for all his great exertions. Thus the days passed by. In all this time... Peter had really made some progress, though the rhymes still gave him difficulty. When they had come to you, Heidi read, Whoever mixes U and V will go where he won't want to be. And further, If W you still ignore, look at the rod beside the door. 
Often Peter would growl and object to those measures, but nevertheless he kept on learning and soon had but three letters left. The next few days, the following rhymes, with their threats, made Peter more eager than ever. If you the letter X forget, for you no supper will be set. If you still hesitate with why, for shame you'll run away and cry. When Heidi read the last, and he who makes his zed with blots will journey to the Hottentots, Peter sneered. Nobody ever knows where they are. I am sure Grandfather does, Heidi retorted, jumping up. Just wait one minute and I shall ask him. He is over with the parson. And with that, she opened the door. Wait, shrieked Peter in great alarm, for he saw himself already transported to those dreadful people. What is the matter with you? said Heidi, standing still. Nothing, but stay here. I'll learn, he blubbered. But Heidi... Wanting to know something about the Hottentots herself could only be kept back by piteous screams from Peter. So at last they settled down again, and before it was time to go, Peter knew the last letter, and had even begun to read syllables. From this day on he progressed more quickly. It was three weeks since Heidi had paid her last visit to Grandmother, for much snow had fallen since. One evening, Peter, coming home, said triumphantly, I can do it. What is it you can do, Peter? asked his mother eagerly. Read. What? Is it possible? Did you hear it, Grandmother? exclaimed Brigida. The Grandmother also was curious to learn how this had happened. I must read a song now. Heidi told me to, Peter continued. To the woman's amazement, Peter began. After every verse, his mother would exclaim, Who would have ever thought it, while the grandmother remained silent? One day later, when it happened that it was Peter's turn to read in school, the teacher said, Peter, must I pass you by again as usual, or do you want to try? I shall not say to read, but to stammer through a line. Peter began and read three lines without stopping. In dumb astonishment, the teacher, putting down his book, looked at the boy. What miracle has happened to you, he exclaimed. For a long time I tried to teach you with all my patience, 
and you were not able to grasp the letters. But now that I have given you up as hopeless, you have not only learned how to spell, but even to read. How did this happen, Peter? It was Heidi, the boy replied. In great amazement, the teacher looked at the little girl. Then the kind man continued. I have noticed a great change in you, Peter. You used to stay away from school, sometimes more than a week, and lately you have not missed a single day. Who has brought about this change? The uncle. Every evening now, Peter on his return home, read one song to his grandmother, but never more. To the frequent praises of Brigida, the old woman once replied, I am glad he has learnt something, but nevertheless, I'm longing for the spring to come. Then Heidi can visit me, for when she reads, the verses sound so different. I cannot always follow Peter, and the songs don't thrill me the way they do when Heidi reads them. And no wonder, for Peter would often leave out long and difficult words. What did three or four words matter? So it happened sometimes that there were hardly any nouns left in the hymns that Peter read. Chapter 20 News from Distant Friends May had come. Warm sunshine was bathing the whole Alp in glorious light, and having melted the last snow, had brought the first spring flowers to the surface. A merry spring wind was blowing, drying up the damp places in the shadow. High above in the azure heaven, the eagle floated peacefully. Heidi and her grandfather were back on the Alp. The child was so happy to be home again that she jumped about the beloved objects. Here she discovered a new spring bud and there she watched the gay little gnats and beetles that were swarming in the sun. The grandfather was busy in his little shop, and a sound of hammering and sawing could be heard. Heidi had to go and see what the grandfather was making. There before the door stood a neat new chair, while the old man was busy making a second. Oh, I know what they are for, said Heidi gaily. You're making them for Clara and Grandmama. Oh, but we need a third. Or do you think that Miss Rottenmere won't come, perhaps? I really don't know, said Grandfather but it is safer to have a chair for her 
if she should come. Heidi, thoughtfully looking at the backless chairs, remarked, Grandfather, I don't think she would sit down on those. Then we must invite her to sit down on the beautiful green lounge of grass, quietly answered the old man. While Heidi was still wondering what grandfather had meant, Peter arrived, whistling and calling. As usual, Heidi was soon surrounded by the goats, who always seemed happy to be back on the Alp. Peter, angrily pushing the goats aside, marched up to Heidi, thrusting a letter into her hand. Did you get a letter for me on the pasture? Heidi said, astonished. No. Where did it come from? From my bag. The letter had been given to Peter the previous evening. Putting it in his lunch bag, the boy had forgotten it there till he opened the bag for his dinner. Heidi immediately recognized Clara's handwriting, and bounding over to her grandfather, exclaimed, A letter has come from Clara. Wouldn't you like me to read it to you, grandfather? Heidi immediately read it to her two listeners, as follows. Dear Heidi, we are all packed up and shall travel in two or three days. Papa is leaving too, but not with us, for he has to go to Paris first. The dear doctor visits us now every day, and as soon as he opens the door, he calls, Away to the Alp, for he can hardly wait for us to go. If you only knew how he enjoyed being with you last fall. He came nearly every day this winter to tell us all about you and Grandfather and the mountains and the flowers he saw. He said that it was so quiet in the pure, delicious air, away from towns and streets, that everybody has to get well there. He is much better himself since his visit, and seems younger and happier. Oh, how I look forward to it all. The doctor's advice is that I shall go to Regatza first for about six weeks, then I can go to live in the village, and from there I shall come to see you every fine day. Grandmama, who is coming with me, is looking forward to the trip too. But just think... Miss Rottenmere does not want to go. When Grandmama urges her to, she always declines politely. I think that Sebastian must have given her such a terrible description of the high rocks and fearful abysses that she is afraid. 
I think he told her that it was not safe for anybody, and that only goats could climb such dreadful heights. She used to be so eager to go to Switzerland, but now neither Tinette nor she wants to take the risk. I can hardly wait to see you again. Goodbye, dear Heidi, with much love from Grandmama. I am your true friend, Clara. When Peter heard this, he swung his rod to right and left, furiously driving the goats before him, he bounded down the hill. Heidi visited the grandmother next day, for she had to tell her the good news. Sitting up in her corner, the old woman was spinning as usual. Her face looked sad, for Peter had already announced the near visit of Heidi's friends, and she dreaded the result. After having poured out her full heart, Heidi looked at the old woman. What is it, grandmother? said the child. Are you not glad? Oh yes, Heidi, I am glad, because you are happy. But grandmother, you seem so anxious. Do you still think Mrs. Rottenmere is coming? Oh no, it's nothing. Give me your hand, for I want to be sure that you're still here. I suppose it will be for the best, even if I shall not live to see the day. Oh, but then I would not care about this coming, said the child. The grandmother had hardly slept all night for thinking of Clara's coming. Would they take Heidi away from her, now that she was well and strong? For the sake of the child, she resolved to be brave. Heidi, she said, please read me the song that begins with, God will see to it. Heidi immediately did as she was told. She knew nearly all the grandmother's favourite hymns by now, and always found them quickly. That does me good, child, the old woman said. Already the expression of her face seemed happier and less troubled. Please read it a few times over, child, she entreated. Thus evening came and when Heidi wandered home afterwards, one twinkling star after another appeared in the sky. Heidi stood still every few minutes, looking up to the firmament in wonder. When she arrived home, her grandfather was also looking up at the stars, murmuring to himself, What a wonderful month, one day clearer than the other. The herbs will be fine and strong this year. The blossom month had passed, and June, with the long, long days, 
had come. Quantities of flowers were blooming everywhere, filling the air with perfume. The month was nearing its end, when one morning Heidi came running out of the hut, where she had already completed her duties. Suddenly, she screamed so loud that Grandfather hurriedly came out to see what had happened. Grandfather, come here, look, look. A strange procession was winding up the elm. First marched two men, carrying an open sedan chair with a young girl in it, wrapped up in many shawls. Then came a stately lady on horseback, who, talking with a young guide beside her, looked eagerly right and left. Then an empty rolling chair, carried by a young fellow, was followed by a porter who had some covers, shawls and furs, piled up on his basket so that they towered up high above his head. They are coming, they are coming, cried Heidi in her joy, and soon the party had arrived at the top. Great was the happiness of the children at seeing each other again. When Grandmama had descended from her horse, she tenderly greeted Heidi first, and then turned to the uncle who had approached the group. The two met like two old friends. They had heard so much about each other. After the first words were exchanged, the grandmother exclaimed, My dear uncle, what a wonderful residence you have. Who would have ever thought it? Kings could envy you here. Oh, How well my Heidi is looking, just like a little rose, she continued, drawing the child closely to her side and patting her cheeks. What glory everywhere. Clara, what do you say to it all? Clara, looking about her rapturously, cried, Oh, how wonderful! How glorious. I have never dreamt it could be so beautiful as this. Oh, Grandmama, I wish I could stay here. The uncle had busied himself in the meantime with getting Clara's roller chair for her. Then, going up to the girl, he gently lifted her into her seat, putting some covers over her knees. He tucked her feet in warmly. It seemed as if the grandfather had done nothing else all his life than look after Clara. My dear uncle, said the grandmama, surprised. Please tell me where you learned that, for I shall send all the nurses I know here immediately. The uncle smiled faintly while he replied, It comes more from care than study. 
his face became sad. Before his eyes had risen bygone times, for that was the way he used to care for his poor, wounded captain, whom he had found in Sicily after a violent battle. He alone had been allowed to nurse him till his death, and now he would take just as good care of poor Clara. When Clara had looked a long time at the cloudless sky above, and all the rocky crags, she said longingly, I wish I could walk round the hut to the fir trees, if only I could see all the things you told me so much about. Heidi pushed with all her might, and behold, the chair rolled easily over the dry grass. When they had come into the little grove, Clara could not see her fill of those splendid trees that must have stood there so many, many years. Although the people had changed and vanished, they had remained the same, ever looking down into the valley. When they passed the empty goat shed, Clara said pitifully, Oh, Grandmama, If I could only wait up here for Shwanali and Bali, I am afraid I shan't see Peter and his goats if we have to go away so soon. Dear child, enjoy now what you can, said Grandmama, who had followed. Oh, what wonderful flowers, exclaimed Clara again. Whole bunches of exquisite red blossoms. Oh, if I could only pick some of those bluebells. Heidi, immediately gathering a large bunch, put them in Clara's lap. Clara, this is really nothing in comparison with the many flowers in the pasture. You must come up once and see them. There are so many that the ground seems golden with them. If you ever sit down among them, you will feel as if you could never get up anymore. It is so beautiful. Oh, Grandmama, do you think I could ever go up there? Clara asked with a wild longing in her eyes. If I could only walk with you, Heidi and climb round everywhere. I'll push you, Heidi said for comfort. To show how easy it was, she pushed the chair at such a rate that it would have tumbled down the mountain if Grandfather had not stopped it at the last moment. It was now time for dinner. The table was spread near the bench, and soon everybody sat down. The grandmother was so overcome by the view and the delicious wind that fanned her cheek that she remarked, What a wondrous place this is. I've never seen its like. But what do I see? She continued. I think you are actually eating your second piece of cheese, Clara. 
Oh, Grandmama, it tastes better than all the things we get in regats, replied the child, eagerly eating the savory dish. Don't stop. Our mountain wind helps along where the cooking is faulty, contentedly said the old man. During the meal, the uncle and the grandmama had soon got into a lively conversation. They seemed to agree on many things and understood each other like old friends. A little later, the grandmama looked over to the west. We must soon start, Clara, for the sun is already low. Our guides will be here shortly. Clara's face had become sad, and she entreated. Oh, please, let us stay here another hour or so. We haven't even seen the hut yet. I wish the day were twice as long. The grandmama assented to Clara's wish to go inside. When the rolling chair was found too broad for the floor, the uncle quietly lifted Clara in his strong arms and carried her in. Grandmama was eagerly looking about her, glad to see everything so neat. Then, going up the little ladder to the hayloft, he discovered Heidi's bed. Is that your bed, Heidi? What a delicious perfume. It must be a healthy place to sleep, she said, looking out through the window. The grandfather, with Clara, was coming up too, with Heidi following. Clara was perfectly entranced. What a lovely place to sleep. Oh, Heidi, you can look right up to the sky from your bed. What a good smell. You can hear the fir trees roar from here, can't you? Oh, I never saw a more delightful bedroom. The uncle, looking at the old lady, said now, I have an idea that would give Clara new strength to stay up here with us a little while. Of course, I only mean if you did not object. You have brought so many wraps that we can easily make a soft bed for Clara here. My dear lady, you can easily leave the care to me. I'll undertake it gladly. The children screamed for joy, and Grandmama's face was beaming. What a fine man you are, she burst out. I was just thinking myself that a stay here would strengthen the child, but then I thought of the care and trouble for you, and now you have offered to do it, as if it were nothing at all. How can I thank you enough, uncle? After shaking hands many times, the two prepared Clara's bed, which, thanks to the old lady's precautions, was soon so soft that the hay could not be felt through it at all. The uncle had carried his new patient back 
to her rolling chair, and there they found her sitting with Heidi beside her. They were eagerly talking of their plans for the coming weeks. When they were told that Clara might stay for a month or so, their faces beamed more than ever. The guides, with the horse and the carriers of the chair, now appeared, but the last two were not needed anymore and could be sent away. When the grandmother got ready to leave, Clara called gaily to her. Oh, grandmama, it won't be long, for you must often come and see us. While the uncle was leading the horse down the steep incline, the grandmama told him that she would go back to Ragatz, for the dwarf Lee was too lonely for her. She also promised to come back from time to time. Before the grandfather had returned, Peter came racing down to the hut with all his goats. Seeing Heidi, they ran up to her in haste, and so Clara made the acquaintance of Shuanali and Bali and all the others. Peter, however, kept away, only sending furious looks at the two girls. When they bade him good night, he only ran away, beating the air with his stick. The end of the joyous day had come. The two children were both lying in their beds. Oh, Heidi, Clara exclaimed, I can see so many glittering stars and I feel as if we're driving in a high carriage straight into the sky. Yes, and do you know why the stars twinkle so merrily? inquired Heidi. No, but tell me. Because they know that God in heaven looks after us mortals, and we never need fear. See, They twinkle and show us how to be merry too. But Clara, we must not forget to pray to God and ask him to think of us and keep us safe. Sitting up in bed, they then said their evening prayer. As soon as Heidi lay down, she fell asleep. But Clara could not quite sleep yet. It was too wonderful to see the stars from her bed. In truth, she had never seen them before, because in Frankfurt, all the blinds were always down long before the stars came out, and at night, she had never been outside the house. She could hardly keep her eyes shut, and had to open them again and again, to watch the twinkling, glistening stars, till her eyes closed at last, and she saw two big, glittering stars in her dreams. Chapter 21 Of Further Events on the Alp 
the sun was just rising, and the Alm Uncle was watching how mountain and dale awoke to the new day, and the clouds above grew brighter. Next, the old man turned to go back into the hut, and softly climbed the ladder. Clara, having just a moment ago opened her eyes, looked about her in amazement. Bright sunbeams danced on her bed. Where was she? But she soon discovered her sleeping friend, and heard the grandfather's cheery voice. How did you sleep? Not tired? Clara, feeling fresh and rested, said that she had never slept better in all her life. Heidi was soon awake too, and lost no time in coming down to Clara, who was already sitting in the sun. A cool morning breeze fanned their cheeks, and the spicy fragrance from the fir trees filled their lungs with every breath. Clara had never experienced such well-being in all her life. She had never breathed such pure air, cool morning air, and never felt such warmth, delicious sunshine on her feet and hands. It surpassed all her expectations. Oh, Heidi, I wish I could always stay up here with you, she said. Now you can see that everything is as beautiful as I told you, Heidi replied triumphantly. Up on the Alp with Grandfather is the loveliest spot in the world. The Grandfather was just coming out of the shed with two full bowls of steaming snow-white milk. Handing one to each of the children, he said to Clara, This will do you good, little girl. It comes from Shwanali and will give you strength. To your health, just drink it, he said encouragingly, for Clara had hesitated a little. But when she saw that Heidi's bowl was nearly empty already, she also drank without even stopping. Oh, how good it was. It tasted like cinnamon and sugar. We'll take two tomorrow, said the grandfather. After their breakfast, Peter arrived, while the goats were rushing up to Heidi, bleating loudly. The grandfather took the boy aside. Just listen and do what I tell you, he said. From now on, you must let Shwanali go wherever she likes. She knows where to get the richest herbs, and you must follow her, even if she should go higher up than usual. It won't do you any harm to climb a little more, and will do all the others good. I want the goats to give me splendid milk, remember. What are you looking at so furiously? 
Peter was silent, and without more ado, started off, still angrily looking back now and then. As Heidi had followed a little way, Peter called to her. You must come along, Heidi. Swanali has to be followed everywhere. No, but I can't, Heidi called back. I won't be able to come as long as Clara is with me. Grandfather has promised, though, to let us come up with you once. With those words, Heidi returned to Clara, while the goat herd was hurrying onward, angrily shaking his fist. The children had promised to write a letter to Grandmama every day, so they immediately started on their task. Heidi brought out her own little three-legged stool, her school books and her papers, and with these on Clara's lap, they began to write. Clara stopped after nearly every sentence, for she had to look around. Oh, how peaceful it was, with the little gnats dancing in the sun, and the rustling of the trees. From time to time, they could hear the shouting of a shepherd re-echoed from many rocks. The morning had passed, they knew not how, and dinner was ready. They again ate outside, for Clara had to be in the open air all day, if possible. The afternoon was spent in the cool shadow of the fir trees. Clara had many things to relate to Frankfurt and all the people that Heidi knew. It was not long before Peter arrived with his flock, but without even answering the girl's friendly greeting, he disappeared with a grim scowl. While Swanali was being milked in the shed, Clara said, Oh, Heidi, I feel as if I could not wait for my milk. Isn't it funny? All my life I've only eaten because I had to. Everything always tasted to me like cod liver oil, and I have often wished that I should never have to eat and now I'm so hungry. Oh yes, I know, Heidi replied. She had to think of the days in Frankfurt when her food seemed to stick to her throat. When at last the full bowls were brought by the old man, Clara, seizing hers, eagerly drank the contents in one draught and even finished before Heidi. Please, may I have a little more, she asked, holding out the bowl. Nodding, much pleased, the grandfather soon refilled it. This time he also brought a slice of bread and butter for the children. He had gone to Mainsas that afternoon to get the butter and his trouble was well rewarded. They enjoyed it as if it had been the rarest dish. 
This evening, Clara fell asleep the moment she lay down. Two or three days passed in this pleasant way. The next brought a surprise. Two strong porters came up the Alp, each carrying on his back a fresh white bed. They also brought a letter from Grandmama, in which she thanked the children for their faithful writing, and told them that the beds were meant for them. When they went to sleep that night, they found their new beds in exactly the same position as their former ones. Clara's rapture in her new life grew greater every day, and she could not write enough of grandfather's kindly care and of Heidi's entertaining stories. She told her grandmama that her first thought in the morning was always, Thank God, I'm still in the elm hut. Grandmama was highly pleased at those reports and put her projected visit off for a little while, for she had found the ride pretty tiring. The grandfather took excellent care of his little patient, and no day passed on which he did not climb around to find the most savory herbs for Schwanali. The little goat thrived so that everybody could see it in the way her eyes were flashing. It was the third week of Clara's stay. Every morning after the grandfather had carried her down, he said to her, Would my Clara try to stand a little? Clara always sighed. Oh, it hurts me so. But though she would cling to him, he made her stand a little longer every day. This summer was the finest that had been for years. Day after day, the sun shone on a cloudless sky, and at night it would pour in its purple, rosy light down on the rocks and snowfields till everything seemed to glow like fire. Heidi had told Clara over and over again of all the flowers on the pasture, of the masses of golden roses and the blue flowers that covered the ground. She had just been telling it again when a longing seized her, and jumping up, she ran over to her grandfather, who was busy carving in the shop. Oh, grandfather, she cried from afar, won't you come with us to the pasture tomorrow? Oh, it's so beautiful up there now. All right, I will, he replied. But tell Clara she must do something to please me. She must try to stand longer this evening for me. Heidi merrily came running with her message. Of course, Clara promised 
for was it not her greatest wish to go up with Heidi to the pasture? When Peter returned this evening, he heard of the plan for the morrow, but for answer Peter only growled, nearly hitting poor Thistlefinch in his anger. The children had resolved to stay awake all night to talk about the coming day, when their conversation suddenly ceased and they were both peacefully slumbering. In her dreams, Clara saw before her a field that was thickly strewn with light blue flowers, while Heidi heard the eagle scream to her from above, Come, come, come. Come. 